Hello and welcome to the podcast series of the European Green Party. Today we're going to be speaking about the elections which took place in the Netherlands in March. And today we're joined by the Dutch Green Party, GroenLinks, who went from the smallest party on the political left to becoming the biggest one. We're joined today by Dirk, who worked on the campaign strategy. Welcome, Dirk. And also with Sibren, who worked on the creative and digital communication part. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Dirk, I'm going to start with you. So, GroenLinks went from four MPs to 14 MPs in the last election. What happened? Uh, what happened? Well, we managed to, uh, to grab people's attention um, after losing the, the elections in 2012 massively. Uh, everybody thought that we would be gone. But uh, we uh, decided to do lots of research on our electorate and on our potential voters and, and where, uh, what were the reasons why we were doing that bad. And then, uh, uh, well, uh, put lots of effort in, 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 in improving all those aspects, which was mainly party characteristics. Uh, and in the meantime, we got a new leader who was uh, uh, very successful in the media. And then uh, we are now here with 14 seats. Fantastic. You talk about research. Can you give a little example to our listeners of what research you're talking about? What were you looking for? Well, we did research on, uh, well, on, on the whole Netherlands, basically. But of course, you choose a group. We did this, this uh, through a company. Uh, and we uh, tried to figure out what are the, the main motivators for people to vote for a certain party. And of course, specifically for us uh, as GroenLinks. Uh, so we looked at content, um, which issues are motivators to vote for a certain party, which ones are, ex are an absolute no-go, which ones are more hygienic parts for your, for your party. So you d should do well on them, but it's not really a reason that people vote for you. But if you don't do good on those issues, mm -hmm. you're gone. Uh, and on party characteristics, so that means uh, things like leadership, realism, uh, vigorness, all those kind of aspects, and to see if, you're, if you score good under the electorate uh, and if you should improve it. And we figured out that especially party characteristics are very, very important for any party, actually. Um, and, uh, and, and we could score how good or how bad we were doing on those. And then we started thinking about our content and how we can load the content uh, in a way that we can improve those party characteristics. And speaking about your characteristics, they were very positive, weren't they, throughout the campaign? You focused on a very positive campaign rather than a negative one. Yeah, well, that has more to do with framing because that's other research that we've done uh, is that positive framing is, is key for green parties to be successful. I did myself uh, research on this a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, we saw actually in, in, that it counts for almost all countries in, uh, in Europe that green parties who uh, frame positively are more successful than the ones that frame negatively. Okay, and I'll speak about your party leader as well, Jesse Klaver, who was very charismatic and also compared by the media and you can see why sometimes to the Obama campaigns and to the Justin Trudeau from from Canada. Can you explain how he embodied these positive characteristics and what an effect it had on your campaign and on the election results? 
Yeah, well, I, well, uh, I wouldn't say that he embodied their uh, characteristics. We always say that uh, Jesse Klaver uh, always was walking around the way he was walking around and that he's a positive person by himself. Uh, and the way he dresses and the way his hair is uh, might look the same as Trudeau. But Jesse was there actually before Trudeau on the political stage. But, of course, there is a comparison. But the comparison is not that we copied it or anything, but the comparison is that you see that uh, authentic, positive leaders uh, are now being successful uh, all over the world. Uh, and that, there, that, there are, that there's, of course, a, a, a big a majority of right-wing unhappy voters. But you see that, on the other hand, there are also lots of people that, that really want to see this message of hope. And Trudeau uh, had that message. Uh, Bernie Sanders gave that message. And now, of course, in France, you see the same thing with Macron. Macron uh, won uh, both elections. And that has mainly to do with that he has a, a positive message to tell. He has a, a message of hope, of optimism. He wants to achieve something. And he's not the typical left-wing politician who's angry about something uh, but he really is offering a, a future for uh, his voters and that's what uh, attracts people okay and cyber I'll move over to you now the tools that were used to get this message of hope out to the public was very much online in this digital campaign which was run by Hoonlix could you give us some insight into how you managed to achieve the success you did uh, in online campaigning. Sure. <clears throat> I think you saw uh, maybe 10, 20 years ago that Twitter changed the discourse and the way politics was run. And it was really a platform for often right-wing politicians to have a new way of giving their message out and approaching a lot of people. In the last few years, Facebook has become that, that stadium and that public discourse. It's like a mass medium. It's bigger than most media are, but bigger than... Uh, the newspapers are, it's something where people spend a lot of time and it's an open ground for a new party to get that stage and uh, get into contact with a lot of voters. We decided basically because we didn't have a lot of money and because we thought, you know what, we have the best story uh, and we have the best creative people. Let's focus fully on Facebook and make videos and content in a way that really reflects what a lot of people want to hear, want to see, the things that they might not know yet that they want to hear, though they want to see, but that inspires them. That's basically <clears throat> our online campaign. That was our philosophy, spending most of our time there and making amazing content that's really close to what people think and feel uh, and what we think and feel. And that's because of that priority and because of the creativity that we put in there, we did really, really well. So for example, in the last two months, we managed to um, find three million people that saw our messages through Facebook and our videos through Facebook every week. In the last week, it was six million people. So if you would uh, translate that to votes, who would be three times as big or six times as big as we are now. And you even see it in the numbers that uh, sort of, not the people that vote for us, but also the acceptance of the electorate of the GroenLinks party. Is, has increased super highly because we found this new way of communicating who we really are, uh, not through a filter of media, but very personal with people. And I think we did that better than other political parties. Okay, and you mentioned the traditional media, which of course is very 
one-sided so it's a broadcast communication whereas online you're having a two-way channel of communication so you're really engaging with the people can you speak a little bit about that element of how you manage to actually engage and more than just speak but also listen to what your voters had to say sure like in if you're in a, in a debate or in a in a newspaper you can tell your story but it won't end up with a link or a call for people to act or become part of this movement um, but if you're making a video you can do basically two things or using facebook you, it's not just giving information but it's also about emotions and values that you can really talk to to people with and then next you can ask them to join your movement and have a have a role and to put their engagement into practice um, and that's why uh, we ended up with a lot of volunteers but that's why we ended up with a lot of donations um, because we first give people some hope and inspiration and then we ask them to join in and help us become bigger okay and uh, young voters were quite key for your target audience, wasn't it? First-time voters, uh, who often use social media um, also much more than perhaps you would sometimes imagine that older generations would use. How, how did you target younger people and get your message across to them? Because it's the first time that they're voting, right? So. Sure. I mean, we did really, really well among people that are under 35. So say there was a nuclear disaster that only let people under 35 survive, we would become four times as big as we are now. Uh, not that I'm saying that I want that to happen. Um, and that's not because we had a specific message that we specifically targeted to young people. It's first off because we took young people seriously. They don't want to talk about student loans per se. They also want to talk about climate change and inequality and uh, treating people with respect in this country. And that's one thing. The other thing is, I think, yes, it is uh, just over 30. And the entire, most of the campaign team is also uh, among the 30. So we're speaking this language that's really close to what these people are thinking. Um, and we did it mostly on Facebook. And yes, young people, I mean, old people are also a lot of on Facebook and on social media. But young people aren't as much as old people on traditional media. So the, if you're doing well there, you're competing a lot better than other political parties are. Okay. And I'd like to shoot a question back to Dirk now about the meetups, which were very successful and quite different to what we had seen in previous election campaigns in the Netherlands, and I think especially in Europe as well. This aspect of going to a venue and actually meeting the politician, the candidate who, in the end, you hope will vote for you. Can you explain how they started quite small, I believe, and then they mm -hmm. got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the last one in Amsterdam was like 5,000 people? Yeah. Well, what started actually in uh, in uh, somewhere in someone's home, uh, yes, I talked to I think eight people, uh, but that was the start of the meetups actually some years ago uh, to to just talk to the electorate and see what their concerns are and 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 and, and engage with them. Um, when we had the campaign, there was really the decision: okay, we really want to. Uh, get people involved and we want to uh, make sure that they can get involved with us and that's why we started those meetups and it started actually uh, with an experiment for uh, well for the Netherlands it was an experiment to present our uh, election program in the Melkweg which is the main um, uh, well, well, a, a smaller but one of the, the, the main cool uh, uh, um, uh, concert venue in, uh, in Amsterdam 
And there were, I think, uh, 800 people can fit in that room. And there were 800 people in that room. And that was, that was for everyone a surprise. I mean, we all thought, well, that it, it could be a success because, yes, it was popular and our party got quite some attention. But that you get 800 people uh, to the presentation of your, of your uh, election program is, for Dutch standards, is completely crazy. I mean, when we... Uh, did uh, when we would present before our, our our program, there will be two or three journalists maybe, but most of them will just read it uh, one way or the other and write a story about it. But we had this thing, and it was there was live TV cameras for the for the main news. There were I don't know how many journalists. It was just insane. And what was interesting was that everybody also started to write immediately about hey, that's weird that they get that many people in a room for. A political program um, and that's how it all kicked off because then of course we wanted to make it bigger and we we, we noticed that people are we're following it and then uh, Sibren uh, his team uh, was also of course busy with the whole Facebook live part of it which which got even bigger but he can tell a lot more about that than, than I can uh, but that really uh, gave us the the wings that we needed uh, before the election started to to get the attention because we have many parties in the Netherlands and it's hard to to, to get attention with policies and all that but but because it was something new and 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 something very uncommon it gave us a lot of attention also in the media and therefore we could grow even more okay and Sibrin maybe you can tell us about the Facebook live how even more people were watching from home rather than even being there. Yeah, so for example, it's amazing to have 5,000 people in a, in a room. I mean, that's something that has hap hasn't happened in the Netherlands for decades. Um, it shows this huge engagement. Uh, and one thing that's cool about this is that it was often young people and it was often not members that went there. Like 70% was not a member of the party. 60% was under 30. Uh, you're really showing that you find a new way to approach a new group of younger voters. And, but we also put it online and Facebook Live. And we all, almost always have more viewers than visitors. And you, if you have like 5,000 viewers, they never probably watch the entire thing. They watch maybe 10 minutes or half an hour and then they have to make dinner or go to work or something else. So uh, for example, the AFOS Live where we had 5,000 people in the room, we had 180 people thousand people that have watched the, the Facebook live video at the end of the day. So it's a huge audience for a, for a politician that gives a speech and asks and answers questions of general people. So that's really, uh, it's amazing what, what you can do with, uh, with social media. Yeah, it's fantastic. So we're running out of time. So I'd just like to close the podcast with one more question to each of you. And that is what advice could you give member parties, green member parties from around Europe who will be campaigning in the coming months and years leading up to the European elections in 2019. What piece of advice from your success can you share? Um, well, I think the most important is that you look at the values behind your uh, policies. Uh, we as Greens tend to talk a lot about policies and about problems and about issues and about concerns, but we should communicate about the values, why we are uh, here as a party and why we want to uh, do something about those problems instead of talking about the problem but talk about the value because the value is what is what is in people's hearts and people's minds and to the value they can relate and um, to add on to this I think that 
So I've been traveling a lot, uh, around a lot since the elections to a lot of green parties and I've really noticed how many young creative people work in all these different green party organizations and we should bank on this. We should, we, I think we could win in every Facebook campaign in almost every country if you put those creative people on the foreground and give them the means and um, uh, responsibility and the freedom to, to build a Facebook campaign just like we did. So it starts with the organization. Make sure that you put those creative people, those younger people maybe, put them on the same stage and listen to them and take them seriously because they're just as important as a spin doctor is these days. All right. Dirk and Sibren, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Us. Thank you. Thank you for listening.